Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Spooky Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar. That's right. It's October. Also known as pre-Halloween, also known as the most wonderful time of the year. So to get you in the holiday spirit, we're revisiting our interview with one of the world's foremost experts on witchcraft, the historian Ronald Hutton, who will take your early modern witch hunt and raise you a cataclysmic Roman one. The first great witch hunters in Europe were not medieval Christians. They were ancient Romans, the pagan Romans, who killed people on suspicion of using magic to kill others on a scale unknown in later centuries in Europe. Thousands of people perished hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. Not everybody believes in witches, though. Siberia, after all, blames its misdeeds on ghosts, and the Irish have fairies. But for those who do believe, witchcraft can be incredibly threatening, and an accusation of witchcraft can be a powerful tool to control people and entire societies. In the United States, a witch is only a dark practitioner of magic in books and fairy tales and season six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Otherwise, witches are modern feminist icons, although the craft, or the rest of Buffy, or else witches are actual practitioners of a pagan, nature-worshipping religion. But in regions all over the world, and for much of our human history, including in the United States, witches were not that at all. They were dark and evil, and they go way, way back. Here to tell us more is Ronald Hutton, a historian at the University of Bristol and a leading authority on paganism, witchcraft, and magic. He has a book out that should pretty much slake your thirst for witchology. It's called The Witch, a history of fear from ancient times to the present. Thanks for being here, Ronald. Thank you. So The Witch is a sweeping history of one of our oldest figures. And over the thousands of years that we've lived with witches or the ideas of witches, depending on on what you believe, that word has come to mean a lot of different things. But in this book, you're focusing a little bit on the dark side of witchcraft. What makes a, a magic practitioner a witch to qualify in your book? I focused intentionally 
on the idea of a witch as somebody who uses magic to harm others, because I think that the belief that people can do that, and the belief in witches in that sense, is one of the most pernicious hangovers from an ancient world, and still today causes a lot of damage to people. So my book is a contribution to understanding and removing that fear, in other words, to ending witch hunting. So how far back does the idea of a witch go? You find them first recorded in our first recorded civilizations of the Near Eastern Europe. The idea that you may have heard of that you detect a witch by throwing her or him into water, and then if he or she floats, then they are guilty, and if they sink, they're innocent, is first found in the Babylonian law code of Hammurabi, which is around 4,000 years ago. And the first great witch hunters in Europe were not medieval Christians, they were ancient Romans, the pagan Romans, who killed people on suspicion of using magic to kill others, on a scale unknown in later centuries in Europe, and thousands of people perished in Roman witch hunts hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. Wow. Did the Romans in their witch hunts also have the same gendered ideas of witchcraft that that have lingered for the most part since the early and modern age? The Romans certainly had, and they were partly responsible for the later gender stereotypes and the historic witch hunts. Gendering where witchcraft is concerned is a variable across the globe, in that uh, among the majority of humans who feared witches, some are stereotypically male and some are stereotypically female, according to the society. But the Romans thought witches were stereotypically horrible old women dealing in infernal substances and practices, and in many ways they wrote the script which Shakespeare was later to pick up and make into the most famous witches in literature. So the Roman view of the evil female witch is fundamental to what comes later. So what other local conceptions of the witch come together? And um, I guess which ones are discarded? Because there are witches, as you write, all over the world, but not all of them are similar, and some are very different. Yeah, views of witchcraft from across the world vary according to the type of person suspected of witchcraft, whether they are thought to work in a group or alone, whether they use substances in their witchcraft, or whether it's just an inherent power inside them, and so forth. But what really creates the trouble is the consistent ideas, the ideas that don't vary across the world, that the witch in this sense is a human being who acts to hurt others using magic, not for profit or for glory, but out of pure malevolence, because they're allied with supernatural forces and figures of evil. In other words, they're rotten through and through. And as you write in the book, that belief is still hugely pervasive today. People are killed or exiled for practicing witchcraft all over the world. What do you see as the solution to ending these, you know, horrible witch hunts in places like the Democratic Republic of the Congo or or even Papua New Guinea, where as recently as 2012, you know, we've had horrible cases of kids being thrown out of their homes? You've named two areas there, but in fact, it affects uh, most of the globe, including Latin America, sub-Saharan Africa, a lot of the Middle East, 
a lot of South Asia, extending through the Indonesian islands right up to New Guinea indeed, and um, a lot of the Western Pacific. So it's actually a growing problem on a very, very big scale. And that's one of the reasons why I felt so strongly about it. And the only ultimate solution is the toughest, which is to educate people out of fearing magic showing them that they are immune to magic if they don't actually believe it can hurt them, and therefore they have no reason to blame their neighbours for it and to hunt them down. This can be done, after all, it's, it's happened across most of the West in that witch hunting is no longer officially allowed in the traditional sense at the present day. And most of the regimes of the Southern Hemisphere have refused to or simply declined to think about bringing back laws against witchcraft. I think human beings are inclined to scapegoat by nature, and it's regrettable. But I think we can probably eliminate this one particular pernicious type of scapegoat, which has produced victims across a vast area and for so long. The reason why there's such an upsurge in witch hunting across so much of the world is because in societies which traditionally fear the witch figure, social and economic dislocation is going to produce particularly intense fear and disruption, and therefore particularly nasty witch hunts. And that's what's going wrong. It's about traditional societies that believe in witches and are hit by declining health standards owing to great poverty, a widening gap between rich and poor, and a profound sense of envy of uh, parts of the world that are doing better. And all these together produce a huge amount of misery, and misery breeds hatred, and hatred breeds witch hunting. Right, right. And we can see that historically, too, when accusations of witchcraft spread almost like the plague. The early modern period in Europe is most famous for that. And one hypothesis about why, in addition to everything you just mentioned, is that these accusations boil over when those in power are losing control of populations, like during famine or drought or when Catholics are suddenly dealing with uh, Protestant insurrectionaries. So what's your read on why witches resurface in communities when they do? Well, they tend to become a focus for hatred and uh, mass witch hunting in societies which have a basic fear of witchcraft, but which is fanned to a fever height by extreme social and economic stress and dislocation. The reason, however, why early modern Europeans hunt witches is not just that they're living through a little ice age, not just the population is outgrowing its resources, not just that the Christianity of the time is fracturing to an unprecedented extent into the walls of religion as Protestant and Catholic divide from each other, but also that churchmen have cooked up a new idea of what a witch is, that is, somebody who's not just an evil magic worker, but is part of a rival religion, a satanic religion, one that is counter to all good religion and devoted to worshipping the devil. Really, witch hunting the late Middle Ages is an outgrowth of hunting heretics, that is, hunting Christians that have the wrong kind of Christianity. And through the Middle Ages, the idea is becoming more and more common about hidden groups of people who are secretly worshipping the wrong kind of Christianity. And to mix that up with magic is to unleash fear on a huge scale. 
because you aren't just dealing with people who are devil worshippers, but they're potentially hidden inside every single community, and they are rewarded for worshipping the devil with powers to carry out supernatural acts of evil worked for them by demons who are there to assist them. And you put that lot together and factor in the whole objective of the conspiracy, which is to uh, destroy the human race and uh, remove God's love for the planet, you really are dealing with the biggest conspiracy theory in history. There are some places, though, that you talk about where big raging witch hunts really weren't that common. Um, it's something you talk about in the last section of your book where you focus on Britain. There were pockets of the country that escaped this big witch fervor. Why is that? Well, it's everywhere except England and lowland Scotland. It's all what we would call the Celtic cultures, the British Isles. That's the native Irish, the people of the Isle of Man, the people of Wales, and the people of the Highlands and Islands of Scotland. And that is because in those areas, in my opinion, the peoples tend to blame uncanny misfortune, sick children, livestock dying, house-catching fire for no apparent reason, machinery breaking down, on land spirits of the kind that we'd call fairies now in English. And so they tend to have to deal with fairies in their own minds instead of having to deal with humans. So what's the difference between those fairies and the other demons that were blamed for witchcraft before? The demons blamed for witchcraft by Orthodox Christians are the servants of Satan. They come out of hell, they're fallen angels punished for rebelling against God in heaven, and they are utterly, utterly evil. Fairies, by contrast, uh, in the views of ordinary folk, are neither angels nor demons. They're completely disconnected from uh, the Christian universe. They inhabit the land or come out of a, a realm parallel to it or just beneath it. And they're not necessarily evil, but they can be extraordinarily powerful and very dangerous if they're provoked or in a bad mood. So sort of like an older idea of a witch as a magic practitioner of, of some kind, but not necessarily good or evil, but not human. Well, the idea of a witch is not necessarily good or evil, uh, but human is old, but it's only as old as the idea that a witch means somebody who's utterly evil. These two run parallel to each other. Certainly, however, fairies were regarded in many areas, the British Isles and beyond, as the natural helpers and teachers of magicians. So in many parts of Europe, including the British Isles, if you were somebody who offered magical services like healing and divining and finding lost or stolen goods, then you'd often claim to be taught your powers by the fairies. Seems like a smart marketing move. Can you talk a bit about the bigger magical universe? We've discussed uh, witches and fairies, but what about witches and familiars? Yeah, magic sprawls like there's a vast continent or like an octopus in all sorts of different directions, and witchcraft, as I've defined it, is only one of those. Relationships with uh, familiars are relationships with demons. Across early modern Europe, it's believed that witches get their powers because the devil gives them little devils who are to help them out personally, your own personal trainer or assistant with demonic powers. And the devils are often conceived of across Europe since ancient times as coming in the form of animals. 
but England's most unusual in that the demons attached to witches after they make pacts with the devil are regarded as being rather cuddly household pets. So they're cats, they're dogs, they're mice, they're rats. They're the kind of things that uh, the English would keep around their homes, except in the witches' case they're believed to be really dangerous demons in disguise there to do the witches' work. One last question for you so that I can go into my Halloween costume fully informed. Um, where does the witch's broomstick come from? You mention in the book a few ancient beliefs about witches flying around in the dead of night in places like Papua New Guinea, but how did witches fly before they had broomsticks? Yeah, across the world, there's two real images of, of witches that are often existing side by side. And one is real people who live in your village, and they're the people who get hurt when witch hunts are launched, and they're the people who are suspected by their neighbours. But the other is a kind of supernatural witch who is a figure, often female, sometimes male, who flies around at night and commits supernatural evil. And these figures blend almost imperceptibly into an idea found across a lot of the world of a kind of anti-mother or anti-midwife, a type of uh, supernatural horrid female that flies around at night rather like an owl or a bat and kills children. And you find this figure in the ancient world all the way from the Middle East, from the Persian Gulf, right across to Germany, and it feeds directly into the making of the stereotype of the European witch. So witches don't fly very much in Europe until uh, the late Middle Ages, when this idea comes in of witches as being part of a satanic religion. And to practice a religion, to late medieval Christians at least, you need to gather in congregations and engage in acts of worship. And for people to do that by night from all over a large area, you have to have adequate transportation and flying is the best means. And so there are really two forms of locomotion that the people who believe in the conspiracy theory uh, imagine. One is that you ride upon a demon that's either a demon or transformed into the shape of a flying animal. And the other is that you take uh, a special ointment that you've made of all sorts of horrible ingredients, mostly dead babies, and you grease uh, an implement like uh, a pitchfork or a chair or a hurdle with it, and then you fly on it as though it were a steed. And one of the kinds of equipment that was commonly thought of as being used in this way is a broomstick, because it's about the right length and size and thickness and shape for a steed. And that's why the first illustrations of flying witches show witches riding on broomsticks, and one of those is on the cover of the book. Which, on the cover of The Witch, Ronald Hutton's new book, is actually pretty cute. Kind of like a babushka taking the old broom for a spin. If you, too, want to become an authority on witches, if only for an upcoming Halloween party, definitely check out the book. I could not fit thousands of years of history into one podcast episode, but Ronald fit them into his book. And I can think of no better way to impress a date, on Halloween or otherwise. More fun witchy links in the show notes, too. 
And that's a wrap. Just like a mummy. Do stay tuned for the rest of the month for some more spooky subjects like ravens and punks and vampires. But in the meantime, have a wonderful witchy weekend. Don't take candy from strangers. And we'll see you next time. Till then, take care and stay scared. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.